Well, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be spending our majority of our time in verses 21 and 22. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me there or log on to there or Google Ephesians 6, 21, 22. Let's, <coughs> let's make our way here <coughs> right now. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're ready, say I'm ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat. God, as we get ready to eat from your word right this moment, Lord, speak to us. We invite you right now, Holy Spirit. Come on, everybody, do it with me. Just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Teach me. Give me something. Soften my heart. Give me a teachable spirit. I'm ready to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 6, verses 21 and 22. The final greeting from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. He says, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Everybody say everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. That he may encourage your hearts. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling Leadership Lessons from Paul and Tychicus. Leadership Lessons from Paul and Tychicus. Come on, don't you want to just say the name Tychicus? Go ahead and say it. Tychicus. Some have translated it to Tychicus, which is equally fun to say. Um, but most scholars that I was learning from decided to call him Tychicus, which I believe is better than Tychicus. Um, but that's who we're learning from here today, and we believe that by examining Paul and Tychicus, we'll be able to learn more about Jesus and apply some leadership principles from their lives into our lives. And so that's my prayer today, that we'll look and examine them and we'll extract some things that they did and, and apply them into our own specific lives as well. I, I love leadership, and I, I really believe that everybody in this room is a leader. I didn't say everybody in this room is a good leader, but everybody in this room is a leader. Here's why, because I think John Maxwell has the best definition on what a leader is. Maxwell says, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. All of us in the room have some level of influence. You might have influence on your kids. You might have influence on your parents. <laughs> you might have influence in the workplace. You might have influence here in the city, or you might have influence on social media, you might have influence with the person in the same row or sitting right next to you. All of us have some type of influence, but what we do with that influence matters. And that's what I wanna lean into today. Are you using your influence for the glory of God, the purpose that he has on your life? Because I really believe there's enough people and power in this room that if all of us are being the leaders God calls us to be, we're gonna see our city changed. Here's why. Here's, here's why I believe that if two people clap, we all clap. Come on. Yeah. Because like I promised you last week, we, we got this map printed out. And here on this map, and I'd like to see if we can get a digital version on the screen at some point. We'll, we'll be able to throw that up. But I just want you to be able to see that there are so many red dots all over this map. This, this represents all the people that were here last week who said, you know what, I'm a gospel carrier, and this is where I work in the city. 
So we have gospel carriers in this church all around the city, amen? From South Las Vegas to North Las Vegas to East, West Las Vegas. God is at work in all these places. The blue dots represent all the different homes in the city, right? Not homes in the city, homes in our church in the city. And so I see all these different blue dots, and I'm like, man, there's gospel carriers that live here. There's a gospel carrier that lives at Centennial Hill Park. There's a gospel carrier that lives here over here on the Strip. There's gospel carriers that live in the South, right? And I'm believing this. If all of us are going to be carriers of the gospel and leaders in our influence, man, this city's going to change, amen? I'm super grateful that it's not a big clump right here, but we're everywhere. And I believe if we're everywhere, then Jesus is everywhere. Because here's where the, the word walk church comes from. As we've received Jesus, we now walk in Jesus. And so when you walk in the room, so does he. And we're carrying the name. We're carrying the gospel. So how we lead matters. So my prayer is by the time we leave today that we feel like we're better leaders. We have more tools in our leadership belt. We have more things to apply in our leadership domains. And so we're going to look at Paul and Tychicus on how they modeled this in their life. Paul writes in, in this closing greeting, he says, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. I wanted to highlight this phrase right here because the first leadership principle I see from the Apostle Paul is the ability to be known. Just go ahead and write that for those note takers in the room, to be known. The first leadership principle that I wanna share with you is this, be known. Come on, just say it to, to somebody next to you, say, be known. Now go on the other side too and say, be known. Th this, is, this is not a easy task for leaders. But I've found that the best leaders have the ability to be known. I love how Paul right here in this closing statement, because church, hear me. He could have just said, I'm an ambassador for Christ in these chains Pray for me to have the right words and the boldness to speak truth in Jesus' name, amen. And he could have closed the letter. But he doesn't do that, right? He saved these last words because he desired to be known. Paul says in the text, right? Let's look at it. He says, so that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. Paul said, I want to be known. I'm, I'm like a legit human, right? Paul's not in prison glowing like everything's all good. He's like, no, I, I need the church to know how I'm doing. I got needs. I got struggles. I'm Pastor Paul, but I'm also a real person that has real needs. I want the church to know how I'm doing. I want the church to know what I'm doing. I love how Warren Wearsby in his commentary says, Paul was not the kind of missionary who kept his affairs to himself. He wanted the people of God to know what God was doing, how their prayers were being answered and what Satan was doing to oppose the work. His motive was not selfish. He was not trying to get something out of them. Paul says that, hey, you know what? I wanna be known. And why I really believe that this is an important statement for us here today is because I know too many Christians, all right? And when I talk about Christians, I'm talking about us, all right? For those who claim the name of Jesus, this is gonna fall on all of us. I know too many who... When you ask them how they're doing, before, you can, before they even get the question out, you know what we say? Great. I'm doing great. How's things at home? Great. 
How's things at work? Great. Do you even have a job? No. What? Like, it can't always be all good. Y'all know what I'm saying? The ability to be known is a leadership characteristic that I believe goes far. Like, dear Christian, I want to share to you, I want to submit to you online and those who are in the room. Allow people that are at least closest in your life to know the real you. I, I believe that God doesn't bless who we pretend to be. God blesses who we really are. So this is not meant to be a controversial statement. So hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. You don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> don't take it a different way. I'm talking about like some of y'all pulling your masks off. I knew it, dang it. I mean, technically, we can get into all that another time. But what I, my point is, you know, do, do your conviction, okay? My point is, you don't have to wear a fake mask as a Christian and have this persona toward those around you that you have to be somebody that maybe you're not today. Like, we need to get more familiar with language like, I'm struggling. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, that needs to sound more common. Can I tell you something? I love when I get around brothers in the faith and say, yo, Pastor Hyden, I'm struggling. Sometimes I get really excited and they're like, yo, why are you so excited about that? Because here's what I know. It used to not be a struggle. I love when brothers say, hey, yo, man, I'm struggling with lust, bro. I'm like, yeah, you used to glorify lust. You used to be living in sin. It wasn't no struggle at all. It was easy. It was second nature. I love when people say, but now I'm struggling. I got a war going on inside of me. I feel like God's doing something. I'm like, my flesh is struggling with that. God's at work. I get excited about that. But we got to create space, church, where people can do that. Where women of God can say, you know what? I'm not doing that well. I need you to pray for me. And we don't say, oh, we need to pray for her. But we say, no, that actually sounds a lot like me. Me too. I need prayer too. I'm struggling too. We're struggling together. We're fellow strugglers that have been saved by the grace of God. And praise God, we haven't arrived yet. That'll happen in heaven. But in the meantime, we're getting better. That's why Paul says to the Philippians, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And it's God who's at work in you. Let him work and let it be known. I'm going through a tough season. I need you to walk with me. I'm going through some hardships. I'm going through some struggles at home. I'm going through struggles in the classroom. I'm going through some different seasons emotionally. I got some pain in my life. That needs to be, that's actually the the church. That's the New Testament church. Paul says to the Corinthians, pray for me. I got tons of anxiety. When's the last time you heard somebody just say that in the group freely? We need more of that, amen? Amen. Right, because then we're able to say, okay, this is who we are. We're, we're, we're allowing ourselves to be known. Charles Spurgeon, he struggled with depression. He wrote much on that in his later life. And here's one thing he says. He says, you may write my life across the sky. I have nothing to conceal. The prince of preachers who sermons live on till this day, who was just magnificent with his words and reached thousands and thousands of people with his gospel proclamation, says, hey, look, I've got nothing to hide. I want to be known. The thing I noticed about Paul here is he's telling Tychicus, 
hey, go back to Ephesus and talk about me. Talk about everything. Talk about my struggles. Talk about my shortcomings. Talk about my wins. Because ultimately, hopefully, you'll find a place of grace. Can this church be a place of grace? Amen? A place of grace where we're able to have real conversations, not fake conversations, where every time everything's just all good. I've met so many people along this journey. It bothers me. I'm just venting, okay? I'm venting in the first point. I'm going to move on soon. Where, where Christians, I'll be like, hey, bro, how can I pray for you? I got nothing. I'm like, you got nothing? I'm great. Everything's just great. I'm like, dude, we don't have to be fake. Like, I know that's not the case for everybody. But I think if we allow ourselves to be real and our church brothers and sisters allow each other to be real, we go deeper in community. We grow beyond fake and we actually grow deeper into free. I'll say this and then I'll continue to move forward. I'm, I'm with you guys over here. I, I, I do. I, I'm, I'm belaboring this point because it's so dear to my heart. I'll just say this because I've experienced this. This is not theory. This is reality and I believe it's biblical. The longer you keep stuff hidden, the longer you're keeping yourself from freedom. Listen to me. God won't heal what you won't reveal. God is not going to deliver the things that are burdening us the most if we're going to keep them concealed the most. If you've ever had a cut or a wound, at some point somebody will say, hey, yo, let that thing breathe a little bit. It's going to heal. And so God's saying, hey, find somebody you love. Find somebody you trust. Don't find a historically known gossiper or slanderer. Pray for that person. But find somebody you can trust who has a sense of godliness, who has a sense of confidence, who has a sense or a lifestyle or a leadership capacity that you can say, I want to link with you because I got something heavy on my heart. I'm not doing that well, but I do want to be known and I do want to be loved. And I pray that this would be the church where that can happen. Amen. Do you come into agreement? It takes everybody. Paul had that in Ephesus. I think that's so powerful. He goes, I want you to know how I'm doing. I want you to know what I'm doing. There's power in that leadership principle. Let me go ahead and keep reading. He says, Tychicus, the beloved brother. I want to go ahead and highlight that. We get introduced here to this brother named Tychicus. Now, Tychicus was a companion of the Apostle Paul. Five different times in the New Testament, you find him highlighted and mentioned. I think it's powerful because I've... This is really the first time I'm getting to know this brother, and he's awesome. Like, this is a powerful leader who has an underestimated mention in the Bible. Like, he is a big deal. He would travel often with Paul. Many believe that he was an Asian brother who waited for the Apostle Paul in the city of Ephesus, but also traveled with him in different contexts. He is also considered to be the pastor of the Ephesian church. Some would believe that Paul was not, in fact, writing this letter. He was actually dictating this letter to Tychicus, who was scribing the letter. Because ultimately, Paul was in chains, right? 
So he wasn't going to take it anywhere. So most likely, Tychicus would show up to where Paul was imprisoned. Paul would say, here's the letter that I want you to take back to the Ephesians. And Tychicus was likely writing this all down, and then he would faithfully deliver it to the Ephesians at some point. And Tychicus here is known as the beloved brother. I was, I was stopped by that statement because I said, man, I wonder if somebody was writing about me, what characteristic they would use for me. Have you ever thought about that? What do you want to be remembered by? What do you want people to put in front of your name? What I love about Tychicus is that Paul said, this brother's loved the beloved brother. Let me give you the second point. The first point is be known. The second leadership point is be loved. I started to stare at that word beloved, and then I, you know what I began to see? Be loved. That God wants us to be loved in community. To be known, yes. And to be loved, yes. Dr. Tim Keller, he has a quote in this context. Here's what Keller says. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. So we're talking about leadership and we're talking about a space and a posture for our church. I'm praying that this would continue to have a culture where people can be known and a place where people can be loved. Yeah, not loved when they're at their highest peak, not loved when they're super godly and awesome, but loved when they're at their worst because, come on, that's when God loved us, right? Yeah. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us, demonstrating his love for us. I love that. Paul is writing about Tychicus. He was a beloved brother. Paul says, this, this guy is not like family. He is family. He's my brother. And he's a loved bro. Some translations don't use the word beloved. They use the word dearly loved. Or some translations will say, in verse 21, it'll say, I'm sending to you Tychicus, who is loved by all. And then I started to ask, how do you become a leader who's loved by so many people? Like, at the end of the day, I, th I want to be known. I want to be loved. I can imagine that you do as well. How do we cultivate being loved? Some principles that came to my mind come straight from the Bible itself, and I want to convict you with them, okay? Can I do that? Spoiler alert, conviction alert. Holy Spirit, do what you do. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to invite us to look at this passage. This may be the first time you've ever heard this passage, or maybe... This is the first time you've heard it outside of a wedding, or maybe this is the first time you've heard it in a long time, but I believe these are some verses on how to cultivate love. So today, hear me, let me see everybody's eyes. Today, if you feel like, I don't really feel like that many people love me, ask yourself if you're doing these. Or maybe today if you say, you know what, I feel like I don't love people, ask yourself if you're doing these, all right? Sound good? Ready? Let's read it. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love that, Pastor. That'll preach. This is like some really good free marriage advice right here, y'all. Take it. Tychicus, the beloved brother, I believe that he was excelling in these Christ-like characteristics. When I think about all these, I see Jesus. Jesus embodied love. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Love is a person. Love puts skin on. His name's Jesus. He's the picture of grace and truth, and love is patient and kind. Church, can I just ask y'all something? Can we do better here? If we're going to create space for people to be known, we got to be patient. If we're going to create space where people can be known, we got to be kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. I'm, I'm going to even say this because I have, I have a lot of family and friends that work in the hotel and hospitality domain in Las Vegas. So I have several people that work at different restaurants that are friends of mine. And here's overwhelmingly what I hear often. Church folk are the rudest. I hear this often. And I'm like, man, I hope they don't go to walk church. I'm like, they're like, oh, what church do you go to? I'm like, uh, what, the one that the rude people don't go to. I hear that all the time. And I'm thinking, okay, if we're called to be defined by our love, we can't continue to be so rude. If people are going to take steps toward being real and take steps toward being healed and take steps in freedom and invite their friends that are broken, come on, right? Like, you never want to have to invite your friend and be apologetic. Like, hey, I really want you to come to church with me. Now, people are really rude there, <laughs> but just stick close to me. Like, oh, we don't want that, Amen. I've, I've seen, I've been there. Like, no, no, you want to take people to a place that's a lot like the show Cheers. Y'all remember Cheers? Where everybody knows your name and everybody's glad you came. Some of you, I'm dating, dating myself. I'm not that old. Come on. It, we're glad you came today. If you're a first-time guest, if you got sin in your life, if you're broken, if you're struggling, we're so glad you're here. Some say that, man, man, church is full of hypocrites. Heck yeah. It's true. You should come. You'll fit right in. Does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Friend, lo love is not irritable. Church, look at me. I'm conviction alert. You got to get less irritable. You can't get so irritated so fast. Like, man, but these folks be irritating me. I know, but you're called to be loving. Like, what does love have to do with irritable? That's what Paul said, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Like, I know, but my kids be irritating. I get it. You got love. You got claps for that. Right? Less, less irritable. You, you might have some very real resent in your heart today. In, in a room this size, all the different people that are online right now on YouTube and Facebook, we honor you. You might have resent in your heart towards somebody, a family member, a teammate, a friend, somebody here at church. Somebody may have let you down. 
I was talking to a brother just this past week. He said, my friend really wants to come to church, but he has so much church hurt that he doesn't know if he can come. And that's a real thing. You know, that resentment can be a, 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 an arrow from the enemy and cause you not to take a step. But, friend, if you can love through it, love through even resentment, not rejoicing at wrongdoing. Some people may fail, but don't get excited about it. But love them through it. That's what Tychicus did, rejoicing with the truth, bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things. You know what? Somebody might not be getting it right, but just hope they're going to get it right today. You know, with optimistic faith, we should have optimistic faith for our brother and our sister. Like, well, this person keeps failing. Well, I'm going to hope that this is the last time. What happens if they do it again? Well, then I'm going to hope that one too. Because I'm called to love. I'm not called to do anything really else than, than to love them through it. Put truth in front of them. Hold them accountable. And then show grace. At least that's what the New Testament teaches that I see here. Love rejoices with the truth. Love believes you. Love hopes it's going to work out. Love endures with you when it doesn't. We need a new boost of biblical love. Amen? Like there's an Americanized human love that doesn't come close to what I'm talking about here. You know, this word love here is agape. You've probably heard me preach on it often. The word agape means unconditional. Do you know what unconditional means? That means you need to stop putting conditions on your love. Because we have so much conditional love. It's like, yo, Jaffer, I love you if you hit the conditions. My bad, bro. You know, that's not true. That was an example. I'm saying, but that's how we do, right? And love is lost, and I'm so grateful Jesus doesn't operate like that. If we're going to create space for people that are going to be known, we've got to create space for people that can be loved. It doesn't mean that we compromise. It doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable because that's not loving. But the way we do it has to be patient, kind, and not rude, which I personally need to grow in. If I'm honest, and we just committed to be a place where we can be honest, amen? So that's what we're talking about, being loved and being known. This was the brother Tychicus. I, I see this in his life. I think there's so much power in that. As you continue to learn about Tychicus, you not only see that Paul was known, you see that Tychicus was loved, but then you see this next verse. Be known, be loved, and then, come on, say it with me, be, be faithful. Leadership principles. What did you learn at church? I learned that I need to be known, I, know, I learned that I need to be loved, and I learned that I need to be faithful. The best leaders that I know are transparent. They're not always hiding. They're not being fake. They're being authentic, and they're working through it. The best leaders I know are loving leaders, not prideful leaders, but love well, love big. The best leaders I know are faithful, not inconsistent, but showing up early, staying late, not, don't need a title, don't need a mention, don't need to be praised, but say, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Because I'm faithful. The, that's what, we, we, most of us don't know Tychicus's name, right? That would be fine by him. He still is talked about in the Bible. He was a faithful leader. Paul says, when I think about this brother, man, I think about somebody who's faithful in ministry. What a compliment, amen? 
to be deemed and considered faithful. I think that we should all strive to be faithful. I think we should make it a goal on our lives. You know what? What do, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to what God's called me to do. If I can do that, that sounds like a win to me. I read this proverb the other day. It convicted me. Proverbs 20, verse 6. It says, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Do y'all know anybody like that? They're like, yo, I love you, bro. Let me know if you need me. And then you let them know, and they can't find them. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't even mean that after all. A lot of people say, man, it's much love, bro. It's all love. Unfailing love. But lack the faithfulness that follows. Tychicus was a beloved brother and a faithful minister. As we look at that text, I want to just show it to you one more time. We're almost done. Ephesians 6, it says, faithful minister in the Lord. Some translations will say faithful servant in the Lord. The word minister is actually the Greek word for servant. And so maybe today you would think, well, I'm not called to ministry. Yes, you are. Like, let me put that out. You might not be called to professional ministry where it's your job, but all of us are called to serve Tychicus was a faithful servant in the Lord. He said, Paul, what do you need? Paul said, I need you to write this down. Okay. What, what, with what? I don't know. Find some. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? You're going to take it back to Ephesus. All the way from Rome? Yeah. I'm down. There's other places in the Bible where Paul references Tychicus. In Colossians 4, 7, he says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Titus chapter 3, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, <laughs> Paul's like, we'll see which one ends up going. Do your best to come meet me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Paul says, I'm going to need some help while I'm out there. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left at Carpus, at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Paul was saying, I'm going to do some writing there. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's saying, hey, just so you know, Tychicus is on the way. And also, remember that super dope cloak that I got? Bring that. I missed that, right? Paul's like, I need that. And also the books. Make sure, Timothy, you remember my books. And above all, i got to write some letters to the churches. The parchments. And, he, and Paul had opposition. Come on, there's always some haters, right? Alexander the coppersmith did great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. And so I love that right there. Let me just give that word to somebody. If there's somebody that did you great harm, the Lord's going to take care of them. I believe that. I really believe that. You can trust God to handle and fight your battles for you, the deep things in your heart, the people that have let you down, the people that are gossiping and slandering about you that have no idea what's really going on in your life, Paul said, look, the Lord's going to take care of Alexander. And that's how we remember Alexander the coppersmith. Not a good reputation. How do you want to be remembered? Tychicus was that brother. The book of Acts in chapter 20, we see Tychicus mentioned. 
uh, amongst so many spiritual awesome leaders, Tychicus and Trophimus. They went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of the unleavened bread, and in five days we came to Troas, where we stayed for seven days. I'm reading you these verses because Paul's, he's sharing. This is a journey, y'all. It's not going to just be so peachy and easy. If you're going to commit to being a Christ follower, it's going to be a roller coaster. But leaders lead, amen? Amen. Servants serve. I see a, a map here of servant leaders all around the city that are going to be the difference makers in our nation, the difference makers in this global city. We're called to be servant Leaders, and I think when we do that, man, God gets glory and people get saved. Ask, you know what, how can I be, maybe you today say, you know what, how can I be a a better leader? Here's the answer. Where can I serve? Jesus said the greatest leaders will be the ones serving among you. That's true today. That, that, That principle still Remains. It doesn't mean you got to do everything. You don't got to go zero to 100, but maybe you just, your next step is to identify where can your gifts be used to serve the kingdom. As we conclude, let me just wrap up by mentioning the last few statements. It says, faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. Again, here was the assignment of his servant leadership. He said, here's my assignment. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve Paul. I'm going to tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. I love this last phrase, that he may encourage your hearts. I think all of us, if we want to be the leaders that God's called us to be, known, loved, faithful, we got to look for moments to encourage people. Not tear people down. I want to even commission you today, before you leave here, find somebody and encourage them. Come on, too often, right, we find people to ask for something. It's almost bizarre to get a random call today from somebody who doesn't want something from you. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? But what if you said, you know what, I'm going to call somebody today? Why? Just to encourage them. The word encourage means to put courage into somebody's heart. That's what Tychicus did. He brought courage and put it in to the believers in Ephesus. Hebrews chapter 3, we see this on display. Hebrews 3 says it like this. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. In other words, today, right? The assignment today is and find somebody and encourage them. And then watch this, so that, everybody say so that, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The, the task of encouragement is so weighty. Hear me. Our inability to encourage our brothers and sisters may be the actual reason why they fell into sin. Your encouragement is so important, it could be that word that kept them from saying no to sin. That encouraging text, that encouraging word, that encouraging prayer, that encouragement, I'm thinking about you. 
I just wanted to reach out to encourage you. I just wanted to text you this verse. I just wanted to let you know that you're not done. I just wanted to let you know your story has more. I just wanted to reach out to you and say God has more for your life. I just wanted to let you know I didn't give up on you. I just wanted to let you know that I hope to see you again. I just wanted to let you know that, hey, you know what? I'm here for you. I don't need anything from you, but I'm watching you and I love you. That type of stuff will get sin's deceitfulness out of the way. It's when we're lacking in encouragement that we start to think, you know what? The lies from the devil whispering. It's the encouragement from the saints that build each other up. That's why Tychicus was so necessary because Paul said, Tychicus, here's your assignment. Go tell everybody how I'm doing and what I'm doing and encourage the heck out of them. If you do that, the church will be strong. And so I just want to encourage all of us today to be big encouragers. Again, don't mishear what I'm saying. I'm not saying you need to justify sin, but encourage people through it. Some of the most encouraging words that I've gotten over the years is, hey, bro, stop doing that, but I love you. Let's do it together. I needed that encouragement. And Jesus, I believe, will do that to you and through you. I close with a quote from Dr. Tim Keller one more time. He says, being described in the way that Tychicus is here is surely the highest accolades for any believer. I was moved by that statement. Indeed, it is the praise we are all to invest our efforts and resources in, that Christ might welcome us into his kingdom with this description of our efforts. He continues, next slide. The measure of our lives and ministries is not the size of our salary, the number of grandchildren, the turnover of our business or the size of our church, but whether we have proved faithful in believing and proclaiming the mystery of the gospel, even when it hurts, amen? Even when it hurts. I, I, I learned that from Paul and Tychicus in these two passages in the end of Ephesians. Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, we need you. And God, I really believe this today. God, we want you. We want you. We want more of you. God, we want, we want more of you. And I pray for every dot represented on that map. And God, I pray for all the leaders in the room today. And God, I pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, I pray that today, right now, this would be their moment. Their moment to say, yes, Lord. Their moment to say, Jesus, I believe. Their moment to say, Jesus, I receive. Right now, you can do that with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I receive you. Save me. Change me. I repent and turn away from my sins. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'll follow you all my days. Help me, God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me to love people the way you loved me. Help me to forgive how I've been forgiven. God, help me to be known. Help me to be faithful. Help me, God, to be loved. 
Thank you for loving me first. Fill me with your spirit, God. I turn away from my sins, and I turn to you by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Praise God.